Joining us on this episode with her medical insight on beauty and skin is Dr. Anapela Biabrufino, a board-certified dermatologist under the Philippine Dermatological Society, who's been practicing for over a decade and is one of the trio of doctors who makes up Boutique MD based in BGC. As part of a series of episodes on self-care that we recorded in the earlier days of the ECQ, we are delivering this episode with the belief that the pursuit of wellness and beauty is not something that's confined only to the best of times. Wanting to feel good in our own skin is something we should honor if that's what we need to give ourselves, no matter how much or how little it takes for us to get there. And with so much out of our control, it can be nice to have one small thing that might be within our grasp. I mean, anything that makes us feel empowered at the moment. And with that, and a very upfront disclaimer that I'm in fact a patient who has done my last Lothera with her, I'd like to welcome Anna onto the podcast. Hi, Jantina. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I know it was quite, <laughs> quite last minute again. No, no, no worries. I mean, time is what we have right now. So, I mean, this is really great that I get to practice a bit of my dermatology even staying at home. Yeah. Well, speaking of staying at home, um, since you are one of the most sought after dermatologists in the city, how are you taking care of your skin at home? That's very kind of you to say, but um, (laughs) not sure if that's really true. But of course, um, I have to always practice what I preach, right? Um, I think being at home, it's been easier for me to actually stick to a routine. Um, I still continue on with my usual skincare, which is just applying um, retinoic acid at night. But I noticed that um, because in the beginning, I would forget to reapply my sunscreen. Um, I started developing a bit of pigmentation. So now I'm actually adding like a skin lightener to help control these um, new patches that appeared on my skin. So just to point out, I mean, it's really important to still wear sunblock even if you're just indoors especially with the exposure to blue light, especially since we're always on our gadgets. And um, the windows in our homes and, you know, glass doors actually just prevent UVB from from passing through. It doesn't help prevent the UVA, which actually causes um, skin aging. So that's it. I've been able to also bring home a few of my gadgets from the clinic. So I've been doing a few treatments such as like um, microneedling, the dermapen. It's my first time to do it on myself. Mm-hmm. So that was that was interesting. And um, I've also had the time to really observe like the different things that happen after. Hold on. I need to quickly go back there. And are you saying that sure. the blue light me mm-hmm. sitting in front of my laptop right now is actually aging my skin? It's possible. <sighs> um, not a lot of studies have been um, published regarding this, but there are a lot of studies that are go- um, currently ongoing. Um, but they have, they have um, noticed that it can actually trigger a bit of pigmentation and skin aging. And so what is the right like sort of level of SPF to wear if you're if you're just at home? Well, if you're just at home, I guess I wouldn't go lower than SPF 30. Uh-huh. So um, 
that would be advisable. Also, one that is broad spectrum, which gives you um, PA. The, the PA rating is actually for the UVA. So you should have the SPF and the PA ratings. So it's important to actually choose a broad spectrum sunscreen so that it protects you from both. There's not one that particularly protects you from blue light yet, but eventually with, with studies that come out, I'm sure there will be a separate rating or they will be able to figure out if the UVA and UVB protection is enough for also blue light. Wow, that's so interesting. You don't often think about like um, sort of a regimen for the home apart from, I guess, like masking and like your, your nighttime routine. Or at least I don't. I know. <laughs> Actually, cooking also the heat that comes from your oven or from your stovetops, those, those can actually also trigger some um, pigmentation such as melasma, strong fluorescent lights. You know, like if your bedside lamp is super close to, to one side of your face, you'll actually notice that there's probably more pigmentation on that side over the other side, same, same way as when you drive or when you're a passenger in a car, you'll see that one side of your face is actually aging more than the other. I was thinking about um, tips for people wearing masks. So it looks like we're going to be wearing them mm -hmm. for a pretty long time. Um, yeah. And I've been hearing about people breaking out underneath their masks. Is there something that you can suggest this so that we can make this all a little bit less harsh on our skin? Yeah, for sure. Um, usually people who have sensitive skin will react to things that come into contact with, with their skin, especially their faces. So if it's acne or breakouts, then um, I think it's important that they don't apply anything on their skin aside from their acne treatments before wearing the mask. So also try not to use the mask for very long periods of time unless you really have to. Because if you're just going out for a grocery run, then you just have to sort of schedule your activities when, when you leave home so that your contact with, with the mask isn't as long. Um, also, creating a barrier in between the mask and, and your face or your skin, the skin on your face is, is a good trick. So you could put a tissue paper or like the use of like a cotton or fabric mask underneath your usual thicker, more heavy duty masks might help so not applying makeup in that area maybe sunscreen just for the the affected i mean for the exposed areas as well i noticed you didn't mention moisturizer is that because mm -hmm. i sometimes feel like when you're wearing a mask it feels quite like moist <laughs> inside i guess like it's like really humid in there well it's humid outside so yeah. it gets quite, quite moist in the mask could that be why some people are um, like breaking out with masks. So using a moisturizer as a barrier might help protect your skin as well. So moisturizer doesn't have to be sticky or thick on your face. I mean, it's about choosing the right product. So there are gel-based moisturizers. There are like um, serum types or, you know, it's just about 
choosing the right one that fits the your skin type. Yeah, I, w- I was talking about this with Ria, and we're both a bit guilty of skipping the moisturizer sometimes and using like yeah. other products in the summer when it's really hot and humid. Like I'll sometimes just do mm-hmm. a hyaluronic. Can I can never say this. A, hy- a hyaluronic, hyaluronic, a hyaluronic serum, yeah. um, and then you know maybe I'll do the the moisturizer at night, but like I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it during the day because Hong Kong is probably a little bit more, if not well, the same, if not a little bit more humid than than Manila. I just feel like my skin just it can't handle it. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Actually, it's. For me personally, I know a lot of different dermatologists have different views on this. But for me personally, I try to cut down your routine or your regimen to, or sim- I, I try to simplify it so that it you you follow it more, right? If you have like ten steps to follow, the chances of you actually sticking to it are are very are very low. So I would rather stick to a few. Um, what's this, a few things that that actually have multi-purposes or something. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you know how um, the vehicle of each product actually has moisturizing effects already. Mm. So if it's a cream with, let's say, glycolic acid, glycolic acid also has moisturizing properties. So it's like a two-in-one kind of thing. So if your skin is on the dry side, it's better to use uh, creams rather than astringents or toners just because it's a little thicker. But if you're more on the oily side, you can use lighter vehicles in terms of the products that you use. Does that make sense yeah. to you? I mean, that also makes sense now, particularly because it's not like we have the full access to all of you know the products you might usually have access to or um and i'm sure like people are also thinking about how much they're spending on um on all of their beauty regimens considering like everything Mm -hmm. that's happening i guess um that's true i think we have to be more cautious about our spending but um it's about also trying to find products that work Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of marketing strategies there and there are a lot of brands that are really too expensive for, for, I mean, the effects that you get, basically. But, if, but I'm also a believer in um, if it's something that you feel you like to use and you enjoy applying it, rather than not applying anything, then go ahead, by all means, spend for it it's better to spend for something that you will actually use rather than something that will just stay on top of your vanity for years <laughs> and you'll forget about it. Right? Is there a hero product that you might be referring to just now? Maybe just one product? If, if you're, um, let's say, thinking of anti-aging, so retinoids, meaning retinoic acid, retinol, adapalene, these are different kinds of retinoids. Um, they are the most widely researched um, anti-aging ingredient, basically. So the thing is, you just can't use it while you're pregnant. But as maintenance and prevention, I think for the price that you pay for it, it still will give you the best 
results in the long run. Is there a brand that you um, that you can personally recommend? Like I'm, I'm a, re- um, I'm a bit unclear there, on what is a there, retinoid exactly. <laughs> okay, a retinoid. It's it's basically the active ingredient of your um, skincare product. Mm-hmm. So you can check for retinol. It comes in different percentages or degrees of potency, basically. So some can tolerate a stronger um, version. Some need to start off with a very mild form. So basically, as young as teenagers or, or um, people in their late teens can start already with this anti-aging treatment because it's actually all about prevention, mm-hmm. right? So if you're acne prone, if you um, develop a lot of blackheads and whiteheads and it helps control or get rid of it. If you're starting to develop fine lines, then it's also good. It's also good for um, prevention of pigmentation and all of these things. So a lot of different products. I mean, I'm not one to really mention any brands, mm-hmm. but if you can have like your dermatologist prescribe you one, then then that would be great. Over the counter, there are a lot of um, drugstore brands or even like luxury brands that, that will contain these products. But once you get to retinoic acid, these are just prescription grade um, uh. products. So there. It, so it comes in different degrees, varying forms. But basically starting off like for, for my age or even if you're like in your... 30s, it's good to start off already with a tretinoin cream or a retinoic acid cream. And some people are very cautious about using it or prescribing it even because it can really have um, side effects such as redness and irritation in the beginning, but your skin will eventually develop a tolerance to it. So you shouldn't be afraid. I guess your dermatologist should just reassure you that your, your skin will get used to it. In the beginning, maybe start off with using it once or twice or even three times a week. And then gradually just increase the frequency until you're good to go like every night. And then eventually you can um, use a stronger version if you feel like you're plateauing already. Okay, well, I'll definitely have to ask you about that the next time I'm in your office. (laughs) Sure, or even just after this call. (laughs) Exactly. But I was also wondering about what we can realistically do at home. So I saw, I've been seeing a lot of ads or like, people sharing on their Instagram stories, actually celebrities, not really people. Mm-hmm. No one I know personally. <laughs> there may be some celebrities that They're I follow. <laughs> That's true. Celebrities are also people. But like, I think I must have seen it on like Poppy Delevingne's Instagram or something where she mm-hmm. um, posted this LED face mask. It looks like this mask from Jason, the horror movie, but it has a light in the back. And, um, and then I, and then I, after I talked about it with one of my friends, I then saw it like an ad for it on my Instagram. And I think they also sell it on Netaporte. And they also have these like of course. USB chargeable facial contraptions that claim to like suck out black hats and white hats out of your pores. Like what is your opinion on people doing these things at home? Like, are they safe? Is it? Yes. What is your opinion on that? So just to explain about these gadgets that you can 
um, use at home. Basically, you also have to look at the quality of the product. Some of these things actually are backed by science. So the, the light mask that you see is actually an LED mask. So LED has been in different wavelengths have been proven to actually help um, target the bacteria that causes acne for the blue light. And then the red light actually helps with inflammation. So these are actually proven to be effective. But I think if you buy it at home, it's still consistency that's important. So once you have it at home, are you really going to use it? Would you, um, I mean, be able to consistently get yourself to, to use this particular gadget, right? So with in terms of the mask, I know that that's been proven to be effective. All these other things that help suck out, I mean, that's more of like a mechanical thing as long as you're not overly doing it or hurting yourself. You're not obsessing over this one blackhead. I mean, it can't get rid of everything, but, but then it might be able to help. And if it's actually soothing for you, then why not? But it's still important to do a bit of your research, you know, just try to see if what their, if their claims are backed by science. Usually there are articles or, um, I mean, legitimate reviews that will say that, okay, this is based on this study or that. I mean, not everyone will be will be um, as diligent in terms of doing research. So I think it's important, of course, to know that that what you're buying actually works. But if you just want to try it out, I mean, I have nothing against it as long as it won't harm your skin in the long run. Yeah, I, ha- I have to say I got sucked into that because it was so cheap. I yeah. got sucked into this like thing that sucks the whatever, like the gunk <laughs> out of your face. And I, I think, yeah. I swear, I thought I like broke a capillary on my nose because it's oh. like it sucked the skin so hard. And maybe I passed over a few sections like one too many times. And then I just, I put the thing away. I was like, nope, I'm just going to wait until I can see a dermatologist because this is, um, it was, it was just a bit, it was a bit scary. I I should have known better. I should have done my research. As you said, I just got carried away by wanting to control (laughs) like, you know, just one thing in my life. Just the one thing. Actually, yeah. Now is the time to actually start to experiment a little with your skin not not i'm not saying that you should try all these things out but if you have like certain products that you haven't been using you know because you have the time to actually observe the the results the reactions to your skin then it would be a good time to to get to know your skin only you will really know what works best for you right Mm -hmm. i mean as dermatologists we always like to get feedback hence the two-week follow-up date, you know, after using certain products, what we recommend may not even work for you right away. So same way with using your own um, skincare. If, if you start using something and you break out, then you have to start observing what it is that you did before the breakout came out and, and all these things that, that you can consider. So like you said, you may have burst a capillary <laughs> on your nose. So next time, you know, not to do it, um, maybe to to put down the level of suction a bit, or it's just about getting to know your skin, really. Yeah, I guess we now have a bit more time to be um, 
you know, to observe and we're more mindful of like what we've done, you know, in the hours before. So we know how, how, how our skin reacts or how our bodies basically react to, to anything. Yeah. I wanted to point out also that since you're just home, um, everyone's been baking, everyone's been cooking, especially here in, in, in Manila right now. I think it's a good way to also really manage your diet especially since it has been proven that your diet really affects the quality of your skin as well. So now that you're actually doing your groceries online, I mean, it's, it's good to actually choose the proper food and, and all that. And we can also manage our schedules. So even if we sleep late, at least maybe we could get enough, enough hours to sleep just because maybe there's no work the next day. So it's about managing your stress as well, being able to squeeze in a workout. I mean, let's let's take advantage of this time in our lives. It may never happen again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I guess, like, at, at least I've been quite focused on the things, like how we treat our skin. But of course, there's so much that, like, goes into our bodies, right? And that is what sort of makes mm-hmm. our skin from the inside. So I really love that you brought up... Um, that you brought up diet. <laughs> um, but speaking about your office, um, I wondered how yeah. you think your industry is going to evolve post-COVID because, um, I mean, I was thinking, could certain laser facials or ultrasound therapies like Cassie or maybe some other ones, um, could this be an option for people who are trying to minimize skin-to-skin contact on their face since the usual facials are like the ones that involve pricking and extraction? Because like in Hong Kong, for example, I we didn't have a lockdown. So like if you wanted to go out and get mm-hmm. a facial, you could get a facial. But I was too scared to like let someone's fingers be sort of really close mm-hmm. to my eyes or just even on my face at all. So I was doing um, laser facials instead, which I ended up really liking. Do you think that this is something people are going to gravitate to maybe during GCQ or during the MECQ? Yes, I think so. Um, So the Philippine Dermatological Society has actually come out with guidelines as to how we should proceed with our practice. Um, We will definitely... It's like enforce these strict guidelines for the protection of our patients, doctors, and even our staff, you know. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, so the, there have been like some doctors who would create these um, acrylic like barriers between them and their patients during face-to-face contact. But um, I feel like that's a bit much because you lose that kind of like personal touch. And of course, Dermatology is very visual mm-hmm. and and we really have to sort of like touch and see the lesion if it's it's if it's a skin disease, you know. But for aesthetics, I think that um there are laser procedures that would still require like um smoke evacuators that might be able to help um lessen the risk. But also, I think it's more risky for the one performing the procedure because they will be covered with masks, meaning 
they won't be able to transmit it to the next patient, to the patient that they're handling. But the patients, if uh-huh. they're actually treating yeah. the area of the face and they can't cover their, their mouths, then that means the, the virus will be coming from them, right? So it's, it's really about learning how to disinfect. So the therapist will be wearing gloves, masks, full-on gear, but it's the patient who isn't. Right. Oh, I see. So the gloves will be changed for patient. Everything will be wiped down. Um, so we're still going to explore these practices and see what really works best. But I think what's important is that there's trust between the patient and the doctor and the mm-hmm. clinic because um, it's really more. Um, I guess the doctor should be responsible enough not to come to work if she knows that she's been exposed, yeah. right? Also the staff. But same way, we should be able to trust our patient not to come if they know that they've been exposed. So I think a lot of like, um, what do you call this? Um, consent forms have to be have to be given to the patient. Um, a lot of like, what do you call this? Um, screening has to be done before we actually allow a patient into our clinics. So by doing this, I hope that, you know, they feel comfortable enough that that we're doing our best to actually protect them while also protecting ourselves. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I would definitely agree that it's sort of like a covenant between the patient mm-hmm. and the um and and the and the doctors and and the people who are doing the treatments right but but yeah and that's certainly how it is in hong kong at the moment like they take your temperature at the door and then they sand they they actually sanitize your hands like they pump it into your hand <laughs> they make make yeah. sure that you use it um and then they do that but i guess when when everyone comes out of this in the philippines it will be more sort of important than ever to see um, a dermatologist that you really trust because you know that, you know, if they're board certified and they have all of these um, these regulations or sort of new rules to follow, then you can feel comfortable, like, yes. coming in to see them. And I guess the patient flow will also just be, ha- will have to be managed because you can't have people crowding in your waiting yeah. rooms, right? So not all clinics are big enough to have like seats that are one meter apart. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's about scheduling your, your visit, respecting your appointments. I mean, don't be late. Don't, don't, don't cancel at the last minute because you actually would deprive another person of that slot if you did. So, you know, these little things that, that have to be considered as well. Yeah, I think that's something we should carry on definitely even after. <laughs> Even after yeah. this, is, this is over. Is home service going to be a thing in dermatology? We spoke a little bit about it um, before, but I was thinking about, like, I know that seniors still need to um, restrict their mm-hmm. movements. At this point, um, a lot of things have to be considered. Like before, I would never have thought that I would, it would reach a point that I had to hop from one place to another to see patients. But I guess we also have to adjust because 
um, if we don't make ourselves available to those patients who who trust us and who really want to, um, I guess, take advantage of our services, it's they're going to try to look for other options. And I'm also worried that those options might not be the best mm-hmm. options. You know what I mean? So, so um, we're definitely going to consider it. But also, we want to be able to... Um, protect ourselves because now we're the ones coming into their homes, right? Mm-hmm. So that means per patient that I see, I would have to really like, you know, get out of my gear and change into a new one before I enter someone else's home. So there's so many things to consider. So I'll have to really look into this, but it's definitely a possibility right now. Before I always thought that, oh, patients should come to doctors. I mean, um, but now a concierge service is is really the I guess the new thing. It just has to be done in in a very professional mm-hmm. way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just so that both parties are sort of like protected. Yeah, I mean, I think this is maybe what we thought sort of celebrities do, where they just kind of mm-hmm. you know sit around in their mansions and then people just come to them and like service them but of course now there's um, a real health hazard in in doing that so there's an there's an extra level it's not just the usual luxury concierge of doctors who pop in and out to service you but there's really um there's a there's another layer there Mm -hmm. of course prices are going to change as well because there's so much more effort in in um trying to do this right so I guess as long as they're aware of also the adjustments that have to be done for just to be able to pull pull this off the demand is going to be Mm -hmm. high and so that means that doctor won't be able to service just anyone and it's going to be per area or you know she's going to also limit her the access to her. Yeah, I mean, for, him, for sure. Like, imagine, right? like, how it how much time it takes to get from one yeah. patient to another in Manila traffic. You can service yes. maybe, like, so imagine. three people <laughs> in a day. <laughs> exactly. And will that be worth it for, for mm-hmm. the doctor, right? Yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's definitely being considered and even, you know, how... Someone even suggested, what if you have like a huge van where they where where you go somewhere and they can just like walk into it and do their procedures there? And I'm like, wow, that that's really a lot to think about. <laughs> so will Anna's beauty caravan become a reality? Vika sought to manage the mobile vegetable market, so I suppose anything is possible. Thank you, Anna, for the very enjoyable chat, the practical information and tips, and most especially the hope that we will indeed be able to visit our doctors again with the confidence that they're doing everything they can to keep us all safe in the new normal.